0: This entire series, Paul has been writing a continuous letter. In our English translation, we have the chapters and the verses, and we've added punctuation. But you've got to remember that this was one letter written without any of that in the original text. And so this is a continuous message that Paul is writing, and he's, uh, he is righteously frustrated with the churches in modern-day Turkey. And if you've been with us, reason being, you know, is because uh, he goes in, in Acts chapter 14, on his missionary journey, and he plants these churches under the Jesus gospel. He says, hey, if you love God and love others, then you will be saved. But then in that salvation, because of the free gift from God, in that salvation, you must go and serve others. Okay? Okay. So after he then plants the churches here, he goes to other areas throughout Asia and throughout the world and starts sharing the message of Jesus. And traditional Jews bring the Jewish gospel to Galatia, and they start sharing and spreading a different gospel. They say, hey, that Jesus guy, he's kind of a little weird. How about you go back to the old covenant found in the Old Testament? The Jewish gospel that says you need to be circumcised to receive salvation. And in fact, you need to eat kosher, and you need to practice the Sabbath each and every day, and you need to follow a works-based righteousness that says you must do A in order to receive salvation. It's flipped from the Jesus Gospel. The Jewish Gospel says you have to do A to receive salvation. The Jesus Gospel says you've now received salvation as a free gift, so you do A. Okay, it's backwards. It's flipped. And you've got this situation where then Paul uh, hears about all of this. He finds out about all of this, and he gets frustrated. Righteously frustrated, and so he writes this letter to the Galatians. And he says, hey, leave your idols. Leave your lusts. Leave the other gods. Leave the desire of the laws behind and follow the law of Jesus that says love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you then accomplish everything the original law set out to do. And so that's kind of a series recap for the first five weeks. Today, I have the privilege of wrapping up this series. And it is a privilege indeed because we've got to remember, these are the final words Paul says to the Galatians. And he wants to leave them with this message that I believe if we don't do the work of chapter six of the final verses, then nothing before this matters. We have to get today right. And actually, that is a burden in and of itself. It is one of those things where um, it is uh, filled with so much depth today, but it's also very simple. It's like, hey, love God, love others. Like, that's simple to understand, but almost impossible to truly live out. And so today, Paul chooses his words very carefully to wrap up the letter, hoping that the Galatians would understand it. And if he's writing to today— the churches in America, the churches in Canada, the churches in the Middle East, and Asia, all over the world, in Africa, all throughout the world. If he's writing today. He says, hey, lean into the Jesus gospel. Choose freedom and use your freedom for others. And that's what we're going to be walking through today. And so if you want to turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, how we're going to be breaking this down is we're going to go one verse at a time. Brad and I were joking in the office uh, the last couple of weeks just saying, honestly, with this letter, we could have just stood up here and read verse to verse to you. And it's so, uh, because it is filled with so much good word. And each verse could be a sermon in and of itself. And that's kind of the message today, too. And so we're going to read the first verse, break it down. Read the second verse, break it down. Read a few more verses, break them down, and then read it all together uh, if it all goes according to plan. And so let's dive right into Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. This is what Paul writes to conclude his message to the Galatians. He says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit— capital S, the Holy Spirit, should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Holy Spirit should restore that person gently. We're going to learn a little bit of Greek today, because that word gently caught my eye. And I was curious as to what the original text meant. And so everyone turn to your neighbor and say, praotes. All right, now turn to the other neighbor that you just ignored and say "proutase," proutase. all right. Gently in Greek means proutase, and it literally means mild disposition, a spirit of humility, a spirit of meekness, and a spirit of gentleness. And to take it a step further, what's very fascinating about this um, noun is that it's actually a feminine noun. And uh, stereotypically, in the households, uh, often the mother— Is known as the spirit of gentleness. Now this isn't the case for every household, every situation, but it certainly was for mine. If I wanted a gentle spirit, I went to my mom instead of my dad. Uh, My dad was much more passionate, also aggressive. But my mom is, as I think about this word gentle, this proud taste, this spirit of humility, while also sharing bold truth and courage, I think my mom does that the most, the best. My mom is our, Kim, our next steps pastor. Uh, She does all of our next steps counseling and one-on-one personality growth and walks with people who are hurting. And um, I don't know anyone who does it better than her of walking in a spirit of gentleness while also being bold and courageous in truth. And so I think, WWKD, what would Kim do? Whenever I'm walking with people and trying to figure out the spirit of gentleness in the midst of uh, sin, in the midst of temptation, in the midst of struggles, of burdens, how do we live like that? But then the second half is just as important of verse number one. Paul says, hey, but watch out for yourself so that you yourself are not tempted. So that you yourself are not tempted. What a word. Let's go to verse number two. This is actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Galatians 6.2 that now says this. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. This is a popular verse that uh, you may have heard. I actually, hashtag Ed, wrote an entire book on this. Um, this one verse to pursue the least, the lost, the lonely, and the forgotten. What does it look like for us as Christ followers, as the church? To carry each other's burdens. More Greek for you. Burden translated— it means heaviness, weight, troubles, and burdens. Heaviness, weight. And so Paul is saying, hey, carry one another's burdens. And we've talked about one another all throughout Galatians, this series. Because Paul continues to use that word. He says, hey, you can't do this alone. You have to do it with one another. And one another in Greek means reciprocated, mutual, And so we are mutually supposed to benefit one another. We're mutually supposed to carry these burdens, this heaviness, this weight, this suffering, to walk with the least of these, to lean on one another, to give hope to the lost, to remember the lonely, and walk with the forgotten. That's what living for Jesus, the Jesus' gospel looks like. Moving on, verse 3. Paul now writes this kind of continuing thought um, throughout the rest of the chapter. He says, verse 3 says this, If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. And then verse 5, for each one should carry their own load. I want to stop there for a second because we just read a verse, verse 2, that said, Carry each other's burdens. And now Paul in verse 5 says, each one should carry their own load. I want to break down, I think, the most simplest way of interpreting what Paul's saying. Has anyone ever done a group project where you've got that one student who does none of the work? Okay? Or you've possibly been that one student who did none of the work? Okay? The rest of the group can't stand that person, even though they receive full credit with the rest of the group based on the work of others. Paul's saying this, hey, don't slack. Carry your load. If you're struggling with sin, okay, don't just expect others to carry it for you. If you're struggling with suffering, don't just expect others to carry it for you. Be for someone what you want them to be for you. Okay, he says, hey, carry each other's burdens, but you've got to do your own work too. Too many times we like to be on the receiving end of gifts, of blessings, when it is so crucial and so important for us to use our story of suffering for a story of peace for others. So don't be the person in the group project that everybody can't stand. All right, moving on. Verse 6. Verse 6. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Don't hold back. Don't hold on to what God has shared with you. Use that for others and do not be deceived. See, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And these next few verses are so important for the message today. Whoever sows to please their flesh... From the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God, from the Holy Spirit will return and reap eternal life. From the Spirit will reap eternal life. And this is kind of the central theme of this message choosing freedom. Okay, we talked about this in week number four when I walked us through idolatry. If you are going to pursue idols, it's an if-then statement. If you are going to pursue idols or things of this world, then you will reap destruction. If you are going to choose a life of sin, then you will reap consequences. It's in James when he, when, uh, when James writes this, he says, Hey, faith without works is dead. And so just like, again, this new covenant says now that you have the free gift of faith, a free gift of salvation, now you've got to go and do the work. That's the covenant we're living in now. That's the command that we're living in now. You've received the gift freely. Now use that gift for others. Now use that gift for others. Faith without works is dead. And so if you were going to reap— or you are going to reap what you sow. And so if you sow peace, if you sow joy, if you sow hard work, if you sow caring each other, if you sow those things that are found all throughout the Bible and all throughout the life of Christ, then you will reap the benefits of that. There is blessings that come from living in that peace, in that joy. it's a mindset. It's something you have to understand that whatever you reap, you're going to sow. And so if, and and vice versa. And so if you are someone who is struggling, and don't get me wrong, I understand the battle with mental health. I'm reading a book right now. It's a very light reading. It's called, If uh, I Love God But I Want to Die. Like, (laughs) yay. So you've got that situation. Some of us are there right now, okay? Where we're struggling with anxiety, the depression, the thoughts of suicide. Eating disorders, the exhaustion, the weariness, the battle of all of that. I get it. I get how difficult firsthand it can be to wake up every morning and fight the good fight. But if I want to reap the benefits of peace, it has to be my mission each and every day, or I will sow the consequences of destruction. And that's a hard truth when we're in the moments of battle, of exhaustion, of weariness to grasp and understand. But it's just as hard of a truth to grasp and understand when we're experiencing pride. When we think we've got it. If you remember, again, in week number four, I said, hey, my my struggle that God placed on my heart during my prayer time was this truth. I'm not the best and it's not all about me. Like, there is just as deadly and destructive of a phrase— with pride, as there is with the mental health and the anxiety and depression. Both deteriorate our soul. And Paul says, hey, it is so important that you reap what you sow and you sow what you reap. You have to understand that mindset. But then in verse number nine, he goes on to say this because he wants to encourage us a little bit. He doesn't want to just leave us with that truth. He says uh, in verse number nine, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's the encouragement. That's the gospel. That is the true word from Jesus. That he wants these Galatians to know that your sacrifice will not go in vain. That what you are carrying, regardless of how heavy it feels, will not be wasted. But you've got to carry it. That's the truth that our church today needs to hear in an instant culture. A culture that has instant pleasure, where we can literally, in a moment's notice, have answers to anything. We expect answers to everything. But that's not how God works. Remember that song at the, be- at, the, at the very end of our service? Even when I don't see it, you're working. We, as a body of Christ, have to get to a place where we're okay with silence. We have to get to a place where we're okay with silence. hear that? Silence. We have to get to that place where we say, God, I don't hear you right now, but I'm still going to sit, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to move. We've got to never give up in the midst of weariness because even when we don't see it, feel it, hear it, understand it, God is still working. And then he wraps up with this, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people— especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul wraps up his thoughts, his ideas, um, saying if we are body of Christ, we have to do good to all people, all nations, but especially the church. We've got to have each other's backs. This is a time, and, and part of, honestly, the church has messed up the church so much because of all of our denominations and our splits and our debates and our arguments about different things and theologies and, uh, you know, scripture and verses and whatnot. And we have split up so much when we're supposed to be one body of Christ, one understanding of who Jesus is. And Paul is trying to unify this body so much, and the message is so true for us today. Love God. Love people. Choose freedom and use that freedom for others. Here's how I kind of want to wrap up today. I spent the first um, 15 minutes of the message walking us through those verses. The last few verses in Galatians 6, Paul goes back to recap the importance of it's not about circumcision. Physically, it's about circumcision of your faith, of your heart. So if you want to finish chapter 6 on your own, um, it just, again, recaps basically all we talked about in the first five weeks. But these ten verses, okay, pack a punch. And as I, as I wrap up today, I want to spend a few minutes I just, just concluding some thoughts and some ideas of how God convicted me this week. You see, we read this verse at the very beginning. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. And we read Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, which from the surface felt like two unique thoughts. Where in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, Paul's talking about sin. And in Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, it appears that Paul is talking about suffering. Where in six, one he says, hey, gently confront people who are sinning. And in 6.2, he then transitions his thought to say, hey, walk with people who are suffering. And that's how I've always interpreted this message, and this chapter. And out of context, what a lot of pastors do is we take 6-2, carry each other's burdens, and fulfill the law of Christ. Not just pastors, but Christians and Christ followers. We see that, and we make the entire verse all about suffering. Walk with people on their burdens, and their heaviness, and their uh, mental health, and their struggles, and their um, discouragement. Walk with people on that. And that's true in and of itself. I mean, that is a gospel message. That is what freedom calls us to do. To use our freedom to walk with others. But then God convicted me of something this morning that I think is equally as powerful. And this might blow your mind. It might be like a, yeah, Jordan, duh. Okay, what if, walk with me here, what if we read the verse in context, like it was written? What if we didn't just take the 6-2 out of context, put it on a nice image and share it on Facebook? What if we read it with all of the verses as a continual thought? What if, okay, after we've got the sin verse, what if verse 2 is really talking about us carrying each other's burdens in the midst of their sin? You see, it answers the question that a lot of Christians have. Well, if I walk with that person, even if I disagree with them, won't they think that I agree with their lifestyle? Like, how do I carry their burdens of sin? Won't they think that I agree with them? Paul says that doesn't matter. Paul says that regardless, follow me, verse 6-1 says, Let them down gently, but, verse 6-2 says, still carry their burdens of sin and walk with them. Let's read it together, okay? Let's go back to the very beginning, and let's see how this is all a continual thought for Paul. He says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And then a continuous thought right into verse 2, then carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We do a disservice to the kingdom when we walk away from people because of their sin. We do a disservice to the kingdom when we walk away from people because of their sin. And then this is a continuous thought. He goes on to say, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. If you think you're better than the other person and that's why you walk away from them, you're deceiving yourselves. Verse 4, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, The one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Holy Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. It is... Exhausting walking with people who are sinning, but it's just as exhausting them walking with us while we're sinning. It is exhausting walking with people who are suffering, but it is just as exhausting for them to walk with us while we're suffering. He says, do not grow weary in doing good. For the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, serving one another, especially those who belong in the church. This is all one continuous message from Paul. He's saying don't give up on people just because they're living in a life of sin but I think the true or the the out-of-context reading of it is just as true. Don't give up on people just because they're experiencing a life of suffering. Friends, we've got to be honest. It is so exhausting walking with hurting people. It it, it it can grow weary. It can be time and time again of back and forth and discouragement and all of this, but you've got to understand that we require the same grace as they do. That we are struggling just as they do. And it's a spirit of pride that tries to convince us otherwise that we've got it all together. And so here's how I want to close today, okay? First, I want to challenge you with the out-of-context interpretation. Let's just take 6-2, because again, that verse, even just reading it one verse, is not wrong. It's still requiring, as the word burden is translated, still means heaviness, weight, suffering. Still, there's still truth in just that verse. And so I want you to be thinking this week, what is my out-of-context lifestyle? What does this mean for me? If you're a teacher, okay, and either you went back to school this last week, or you're going to school this week starting up, you're going to have so many students from different lifestyles, from different um, family styles. Maybe some are adopted. Maybe some are divorced. Maybe some don't have parents. Maybe some have been abused. Maybe some um, are, you know, just a handful with high energy, different learning abilities, all of these different things. You have an opportunity to walk with them in the midst of their burden and to be patient with them in the midst of their sin. (laughs) And you get that better than most people. Nurses, doctors, assistants, family members, friends who work with the hospitals and care team. The same goes for you these last 18 months, which is COVID, and then all of the other health crises that we've been experiencing have been stinking exhausting for you. And you've been carrying the burdens left and right. And I can't imagine what that has felt like. But you've got an opportunity to walk with people regardless how they're living, the choices they're making, or even the suffering they're experiencing. Parents, oh my goodness, I understand this, and it's only been a month of having a kid. Sometimes, again, like I talked about in my first sermon back, you can't like, you can't like toss the kid, you know? You can't like send him on his own until he's at least 18. It's only been a month, and I'm already thinking about it, and so you're just like that. You're like, but you've got that grace and that patience, and you're just like, hey, There's got to be something here. Coaches, sports, uh, individuals in marriage, in your relationship, serving one another, in your singleness, all of this, out of context. Take that verse and say, what is your serve this week? How can you walk with someone who is suffering? And then, your in-context challenge. Who is maybe somebody that you've been avoiding because of their sin? Or their lifestyle, or their choice that you don't agree with, or the political party that you can't understand how they would vote that certain way, or all of the things you see them posting on social media. Now, in a message like this, I want to be very clear. If you've been abused, okay, please, please do not feel the need or the call to continue walking with your abuser. Okay? I want to make that very clear because that, there, there's a certain line of protection that you have to be careful of spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally. Okay? So if that abuser comes to mind, okay, let's walk through that, talk through that, and understand that that is not what this message is about. Okay? Jesus is big enough to handle that person or family on their own with some other help elsewhere. You need to choose protection in that situation. Okay? The last thought that I have, um, I think our church does a really good job of the out-of-context interpretation of this verse. I actually think we do a really great job of walking with people who are suffering. Okay, we've had many examples in the last year of people who are hurting and needed financial help, needed counseling, needed um, help even just moving from place to place, needing meals, needing prayer. I think we do a really good job of the out-of-context interpretation. I think our weakest Place as a church, is living in the in-context interpretation of that verse. I think we struggle a lot with pride, and I think that influences how we walk with people who we disagree. And so that's just something to be thinking about, okay? Some people do a really good job of both. Some people do a really good job of one. But I think as a church, as a whole, we can improve much more in the in-context reading. So just be thinking about that week, uh, that, that, that concept, that idea, and most importantly, that you use your freedom that you're experiencing to help others. Let's pray. God, you are so good. You are the king of my heart and your words were speaking to me this morning and this week and I I'm preaching to myself, God. Asking myself, what does it look like for me to walk with people whom I disagree who are suffering? Who are lost, who are hurting, who are battling exhaustion. What does that look like? And so I ask God, as a church, that we would be one, unified with you, your body, as we choose freedom.